No. I'm not worried at all. I rely on God, Allah. Assalamu alaikum. Addressing real issues with real solutions with real Muslim communities living in the West. Join the Lifehawk Podcast family as we go beyond the theoretical. Connect with us at youtube.com slash Dr. Sayed for all your Lifehawk episodes and support us by subscribing and hitting the notification bell for all new episodes coming your way. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu salamu ala rasulillah. Welcome to a special edition of the Life Hawk podcast where we always make our mark. For those of you who didn't see, that's a bullseye. All right, so this special edition of the Life Hawk podcast, we're doing a few things here today. We are uh, spending some time again. Uh, in the middle of the Rocky Mountains amongst these beautiful, tall, wonderful trees uh, here, fresh, green air, uh, no pollution, uh, just surrounded by nature and beauty. And we're engaged continuously in different harakat of ilm, ilm and programs and activities. And one of the activities is, of course, from the sunnah, which is archery. Uh, it's also an Olympic sport, but um, none of us yet are ready for the Olympics, but maybe soon, inshallah, Sheikh. Inshallah. A, few, a, few, a few more camps in us, we'll be ready, inshallah. Uh, 2024, uh, maybe? 28? Uh, 32. 2032, maybe. We'll be ready, inshallah. So, uh, and also we have with us uh, some sisters off camera. Uh, they've been involved in the da'wah as well for many years and inshallah we'll get some questions and some engagement from them as well and in between we'll try to make some shots we'll try to see if we can um, replicate bullseye and just split the arrow of the one the bullseye that I just made and you'll have to take my word for it so uh, inshallah um, we're ready to begin let's do this okay so for every question or every topic we talk about, we'll, we'll try to make a shot, inshallah. So, safety first. Sheikh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but we are not supposed to point a weapon at a believer, correct? Of course, yes. So one of the hadith of Rasulullah is we should never, even for fun, yes, even, even in jest, that. you don't point a, a weapon you know, uh, to a believer. Would this also be uh, considered, Sheikh, like, you know how some people go like this? Would yeah, that be also? I, I would classify that in, in the same thing as well. Because you're all, you're basically threatening definitely. the person. <laughs> it's your finger, but you're yeah, giving definitely. the. What you're doing Unless you're picking out your odhiya, right? It's, it, it, you're threatening or you're playing around, but still you shouldn't even yeah. ingest. Subhanallah. Yes. Allah Subhanallah. That's like uh, one of the things that you actually learn in gun safety is that even with an unloaded weapon, never pointed at another person. Even with an unloaded weapon, uh, you're not supposed to do that ever. So actually, uh, they're unknowingly uh, following the sunnah of Rasulullah Subhanallah. Allahu Akbar. All right. So, sister, what do you want to talk about? Do you have any comments or questions? Assalamualaikum. Waalaikum assalam. Rahmatullah. First of all, I just wanted to say I really enjoy Life Hack, and I'm a very big fan of all the episodes. First time caller, long time listener? Absolutely. Okay. 
So I have a couple questions for you here regarding sisters in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Yes. So, of course, we are all in this pandemic together. And that being said, I feel um, there are many disadvantages that the sisters are facing, especially in the fact that the, many of them are actually not allowed to enter the masajid at this point because yes. they really limited just to brothers, just to 50 brothers, or even if it's 100 or whatever, it's always just the brothers at this point. And another thing that they've done is um, they've actually uh, increased the age of the children that can come. Only children above the age of 14 can actually come to the masjid as well. This kind of puts a lot of sisters in a very bad situation in a sense where many many women have kids and they can mm. no longer attend the masjid. Their children can no longer attend the masjid. So how would you suggest that sisters cope with this situation as their sense of community has largely been lost and they really are just at home with their kids or even if they don't have children, mm. they can no longer have that strong connection with the community. We went through this during Ramadan and people kind of were very patient because of the height of the pandemic at that point. But like now going forward, I just we don't see much of a change coming about soon. So how would you suggest sisters cope in this sort of situation? All right. So in honor of this, I will this topic, which is two very dangerous topics, sisters and COVID-19. I'm not sure which one is more dangerous, but I will shoot in honor of that question. And again, X marks the spot. Uh, <laughs> what is your answer or what was your advice, Nasiha? Uh, well, it definitely it was difficult for, subhanAllah, um, brothers and sisters in the beginning. But of course, brothers had an easier time as the masajid opened up. It was more exclusive to them than anyone else. But just kind of, I'm not sure how it is across Alberta because mm -hmm. uh, I know every city, every area has its own rules. Just to sh uh, shed light on what we have in Fort Mac right now. It's open to everyone now in, in Fort Mac. So mm. brothers, sisters, and children of any age, that's been opened up for the for the for the masjid. Mm. Yes, maybe two weeks ago it was more specific to, you know, kids above uh, seven or ten years old. But now that restriction has been removed. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. So every city is different. That's what I was getting at. So Alhamdulillah, depending on the masjid that you're at, you're gonna have different restrictions and guidelines. But Overall, I mean, even if with the uh, with the open guidelines and uh, lifting of restrictions that we had before, it's still difficult. I know for some parents, when the kids are a bit younger, uh, they're running around and they're told to keep the kids beside you. You may even have at times people who come to the masjid disregarding the rules. You might have someone who's coughing and sneezing coming in the masjid, and you know, I don't. I you would want to protect your children from that. So, mm. uh, regardless of you know um, the rules and restrictions of the masjid. It's going to be tough. I mean, you have to find a way to find community or connect with community. Um, everyone does it differently. What we've done in our community in Fort Mac, I think across Canada has been the same, Sheikh. Mm. So uh, people connecting on Zoom. We have the Sisters Hanaka on Zoom. We have uh, Youth Hanakas on Zoom. Everything basically has been shifted from the, the uh, in-person model to online. Yes. So that's been a, quite, a, a big help to our community, alhamdulillah. So, sister, do you feel that um, you like your uh, just generally understanding the scope that you, you know, like you can't go, you know, people are avoiding going to the mall, they're avoiding going to coffee shops, they're avoiding going to restaurants, they're avoiding going to like almost any facility. So, I think that's I think what the sheikh 
mentioned as well is that even if you if like because every masajid the rules are different and some masajid are a little bit more open to sisters as well still that the sisters can come but then there's a risk you know for you and your children yeah. so the advice of the sheikh is besides the fact that masjid themselves are limited or perhaps they have to favor the brothers that uh, you have to think about you know your safety of yourself and your children and then as well try to diversify or transition over to more like online forums have you been found that you've been able to do that and you know how, how what, what do you find do you feel that um you have those resources available to you or are there initiatives that even sisters themselves are doing well to a certain extent i feel like this pandemic has really just taken a lot of sisters and thrown a curveball at them Many of them started forced schooling. I won't, I won't call it homeschooling. They started forced schooling <laughs> yeah. right when the pandemic started. They yeah. had Some of them had up to six to eight children where they had to homeschool them, which is extremely difficult for a woman who has never taught them right from the beginning. Yes. And they face a lot of issues in terms of the schooling itself, um, in terms of how, like, I know, like, uh, with the public school system in the city that I live in, I know that they really did not do a substantial job in terms of educating the children. So what ended up happening was that the sisters' focus has really shifted towards um, a lot of just the educational portion. And the sisters who are not married or do not have children, a lot of them were struggling in a sense where they kind of found like they have nothing to do, but they just don't know where to start. Mm. So now, like, I guess a follow-up to what you're saying is like, so now how like would we even start? Like my a suggestion for myself would be perhaps because sisters really do need I know um, meeting online and everything, and of course we've been doing all this stuff. I I know it definitely there's a benefit, alhamdulillah, that we're in a pandemic at a stage in our time where we can actually see each other, like online. We can actually, you know, like do a lot of things together um, uh, just in the virtual world. However, and I'm sure brothers have something similar, but for sisters, we really need that personal contact um, for not just our just like you know just for not just for is the purpose of meeting but even just for our mental health so i'm almost thinking like why not just like develop like a cohort type group of quran sisters for example so that you guys meet in person exactly right and then maybe we could have like that kind of like almost small bubbles in the yeah. city that's my suggestion because it is challenging like for now like for example like i have kids myself and at this point for now what i'm doing is because i mean i can see i can see the effect it's having on my children especially my um older child like where i I can see that she needs she needs to see people so what we've been doing is we meet outside and you know we'll go for walks we'll go for hikes different things like that but again we live in canada where it's winter eight months of the year so we're almost we we were actually speaking about like what are we going to do like in the winter time in terms of socialization because as far as the COVID 19 pandemic goes like there was just 144 cases today in alberta and i mean when school starts it just seems like it's going to go up and it's just not going to go down right away it's going to take some time inshallah of course like by the will of allah things will once again go back to some sort of normalcy but at the at the same time like we have to be kind of prepared for ourselves for our mental so what, health. Do, what do you think sisters can do like in winter so you're saying like during these summer months you can go to a park meet maybe develop like a cohort uh you know and team up for certain activities so do you have any ideas for winter what do you think well, would like, be good uh, what for I'm sisters because we would well what i'm thinking now um is like as i mentioned before just the cohorts 
you know, like kind of developing sort of like a group of families that can kind of meet together with, you know, similar age children, similar mindset, especially the ch people. Now, uh, another thing I was going to ask you and kind of like want to discuss was just um, with regards to many sisters are now actually planning on homeschooling their children because they just don't feel safe sending them to school. And so now I think there's a bigger opportunity to kind of develop those kind of systems where maybe it's three or four families and maybe they just meet together just for the sake of like holding an Islamic studies class for the kids or holding a Quran halakha or something like that just to kind of have that sense of community because it just it is a very difficult task. So and you're saying perhaps now moving forward combining homeschooling with certain families together because we're all in it kind of together in the situation so have a few families do homeschooling together is that is that a suggestion you're talking well thinking? actually i feel like the way homeschooling works and i've been homeschooling for now this is i'm going into my seventh year inshallah wow. so um i feel like homeschooling itself to be honest has to be done by the parents and the children hmm. and the reason for that is because there is a very big difference in terms of homeschooling and communal schooling you have much more focused learning when you're homeschooling as opposed to having like a communal system. And also another thing is every parent has a different style of teaching. Some people are more relaxed. Some people are more uh, structured. So this kind of makes a very big difference. So a lot of parents who are new to homeschooling are not going to understand that you can't bring an exact school environment into the home, for example. Mm. So then it wouldn't work. But the one thing we could do is say you're homeschooling your kids. So I'm teaching them the core subjects. I have a program where um, I'm in a blended program where the teachers will teach the kids and they do the curriculum for the four core subjects. I handle all the options and physical education, health, uh, Islamic studies, Arabic. I can add that into my curriculum. So it's, it's, it kind of works really well for me. But what I would suggest is like, for example, like sports activities, mm. you know, like that's one thing. Um, for example, just like an Islamic studies class or a Quran class or something like that. Maybe we can develop a system where you have like like a group of like maybe 10 kids as opposed to like 60 kids in a class or something like that. Just for these extracurricular type activities. Because I feel like the biggest issue that they're going to have um, with the kids is just the extracurricular activities. Because at school, usually kids are sitting at their desk most of the day. So they're not actually socializing. Mm. This is something that people will now learn. Before it was a very big stigma against homeschooling where they, people believe that our kids were not socialized. But if you meet my kids, they're like social butterflies because mm. they do know how to socialize because they are, not only are they immersed in an environment that is very positive, they're also immersed in just a great number of activities. So they meet people older, younger, you name it across the board from every culture every religion muslims everybody so they're pretty good in regards to socialization but my only concern is just for the sisters themselves also it might be a very good idea to have somewhat of a group setting where the kids can meet and the sisters can meet because the sisters what the, what's going to happen now and i can foresee it very easily is that when you're homeschooling your first homeschooling three, four kids, or even one kid or two kids, you're going to experience burnout very quickly mm. if you do not have the support. Mm. Because even homeschoolers who are not Muslim, all of us have a support circle mm -hmm. around us. Like we have a few people that we're regularly meeting with, a few people that we're combining efforts with. Mm. So Sheikh, I think there's two things maybe you can also give us some advice on. One is, can 
the Masajid or you know Islamic organizations help facilitate networking amongst Muslim families uh, for homeschooling. That's number one. And number two, can there be some type of facilitation? Because we have obviously Islamic schools, we have Masajid and whatnot. But to facilitate maybe some type of Islamic curriculum that these families now can adopt in terms of like their homeschooling cohorts. In terms of the first, I mean, well, overall, I think the masajid should play a very important role in this because, you know, this is the community we're speaking of. So some masajid, I think they do have the ability to do this. Others, I'm just thinking of a few right now. I don't think there's any way they can do this. So it's based upon the resources each masjid or Islamic center has. So if the center does have it, I think that they should really explore this option to provide for the families, and there's many in the community across Alberta, and I think across Canada even. Yes. So they should explore that option of providing some type of support for those families who are now homeschooling. I mean, myself, I'll be homeschooling for the first time, my children okay. home. So it's a, it's a new, completely different... It's a new uh, world. Yeah, of course, subhanAllah. You know, taking the kids into school, the, the fear is always there. What if and what if? M but maybe maybe uh, parents will start sympathizing with teachers. Yeah, possibly. Subhanallah, <laughs> Allahu Akbar. These are the Allahu people <laughs> that teachers have to deal with, like strangers have to deal with these kids. I know, it's yeah. difficult. Dealing with my own kids, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. And, I mean, constantly when you had a little break when they were in school, that is no longer there. Yes. They're all the time now in the house. you got to kind of really be up to task to kind of teach them to the best of your ability. But I think also in terms of the curriculums that Masajid can provide, once again, it's not everyone can do it. I mean, we can pull resources together. I'm looking at Fort McMurray. I think that's possible in Fort McMurray uh, because of the restrictions being lifted in our Masjid. Yeah, I, mean, we, we, I mean, for the children, that is. Mm. So there is still the social distancing rules in place. But at the same time, uh, they're allowed to come to the Masjid and you know enjoy the environment. Um, like I said, there's many programs that we do offer right now, and I'm talking more specific to Fort McMurray to kind of as a model. Yes. Um, so we offer many programs right now for the families, uh, uh, children as well, and that has been really helpful, alhamdulillah. Um, elsewhere, I'm, I'm sure they, they must be doing something similar, but I'm not really sure, but mm. I think the Masajid definitely have a role to play in this. They have yeah. to. This is the time that they have to step up, inshallah. Perhaps, like the sister mentioned, there's uh, a demographic of sisters who are single, who who don't have anything to do? Yeah. Could could the masajid or like other senior sisters get them involved in helping to develop these types of curriculums? I I, you know I, I mean? definitely would think so. Synergy, yeah. like yes, working together, exactly. uh, you know, uh, and engaging other people, right? In in the and community. I think, Sheikh, as you said, quadrant two thinking over here. Yes. No, we keep things to the last second. Yeah. So it's going to become a crisis thinking pretty soon. So I guess we yeah. have to think in advance since we have the time now. And yeah, yeah. Now. Since we have the time, so life oh, huck. Yeah. Hitting the mark on homeschooling in a pandemic. So to actually follow up what Sheikh Murad is saying, um, I definitely think that if the massages can get organized and provide programs, even honestly, at this point, I would say even over something like Zoom, you know, just to start out with, for example, and then maybe they can have like a once in a month socially distanced meeting together or something like that like even that would be very helpful because actually one of my daughters was part of a group that used to meet bi-weekly so it was a group of about um, 15 girls and it was my one of my very good friends who was running this program and when the pandemic started what they ended up doing was they the whole group this actually runs all across north america so what they did was they um, started doing an online class every single day so they would do monday to friday from like four to five or something like that 
and for different age ranges and my daughter just loved it and she looked forward to it and she felt like she was meeting her friends and there was over 150 girls at one point in that class which is pretty amazing right for a little kid who's 10 like you know she's sitting there and she is so proud of herself she's she was put in the older class as well because you know she's mashallah very mature so um, so uh, and she was very happy about that. Actually, the younger class was just too young, <laughs> so so she's kind of in between there. But um, but that I found was very very effective. But I feel like locally, like that's something kind of like on a more national level. Like I feel like locally, like uh, definitely like um, a lot of these sisters are very capable. The ones that are now feeling like they want to do something, but they don't really know where to start so that was actually another question i wanted to ask you guys was like now the sisters like for example like many sisters want to get involved in the dawa mm -hmm. aside from homeschooling all this stuff like in general like i mean how would they even go about starting right now and i think this is one of the answers that you would give me is that like we can actually get actively involved in kind of planning activities such as that will be pandemic friendly at this point right but is there anything else you would suggest like how like because obviously like I know like for a lot of sisters that I was working with um, in Dadawa, they started feeling very anxious about the fact that they weren't able to like be a part of many programs anymore. They weren't able to, you know, they're so used to putting on big conferences, executing big events, having, you know, like monthly massages events and all. They're so used to doing all this stuff. And they really felt like, okay, now, you know what? I don't feel like I'm contributing to the Dawa. Now I think I should just stop. This was actually some of the comments from some of the sisters, which is very alarming because it's just their mental state has become this way where they feel like they're just, they literally told me that they feel like they're, they're just useless. They, like, they have nothing to offer anymore mm. due to the pandemic. Yes. And it is a real issue right now. It's really affecting the mental health. It's really affecting the well-being. It's affecting actually now when these sisters are affected right now, the future generations will also be affected because if they, for example, they were very active in the Dawa and then all of a sudden they leave due to a pandemic, who knows if they're ever going to kind of come back in because life is going to take over. So what are your suggestions there? I'll just, uh, I mean, this is a real issue and I think every community faces it, subhanAllah. But just to kind of um, comment on what you've mentioned, sister, um, there, there are two parts of, of the da'wah. Da'wah during normal times, wherein you can, like you've mentioned, take part in conferences and you know participate in that way. And there are other times wherein you can't do that, so you have to kind of diversify. What I mean by that is looking at the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So if you look at the da'wah that the sahaba, they went through and what, what they did, there were phases where they were very public and open with that da'wah, which we can kind of correlate with, you know, programs that are public and active and social. And then there were times where they were really to themselves, where they had time to kind of build and focus on themselves. You know, what we tend to look at as being da'wah, we think only that I have to go out and do something in public, when in fact, part of the da'wah is to solidify yourself in your faith, in your deen. So I look at this, you know, and we have to be positive over here. Yes, the pandemic has come, but inshallah, it's just for a short time, and it will be lifted bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. It's all in the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The time that you have right now, look at it as a gift from Allah. So I think to put a positive spin on this, um, so you're looking at this time positively and thinking how best I can, you know, improve myself in the time that I have so that inshallah when things do come back to that normal, I can contribute in a much better way, a much fulfilling way, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. So fill your time, uh, and this is difficult, I know, it's easy said but very difficult done to kind of get yourself involved in a uh, certain 
ilm circle or to take a book and read to kind of take notes down that in itself is it's I, I can tell you right now it is very difficult but very rewarding so if someone can get themselves in that condition in that state where they're you know reading and learning as they would if they were in the university or in a halaqat ilm a session that would be held in the masjid where you're taking notes and you know uh, or even with the the ilm circles that um and you know they they establish uh, so just be part of that where you're taking something and breaking it down and reading and trying to take notes and you know uh, I think that would truly be uh, the best thing so look at it as a gift from Allah a time to kind of you know turn off and just kind of focus on yourself and then afterwards ta'ala, that time would come now um, there is a hadith where the Prophet spoke of what was to come towards the end of time so um, one of the companions asked, Ya Rasulullah, and this is more with you know, participating in the ummah at large and being more of an active member in the ummah. He said, Rasulullah sallallahu that if there's no jama'ah and there's no imam, you basically take care of your own self. Leave everyone alone, take care of your own self and focus on building yourself properly. So I think that is truly uh, applicable to our times now. Wallahu a'lam. I like what you said when uh, find the good in everything and that's from the hadith also yeah. of our Rasul that everything is khair for the moment yes, of course it's all good for the moment if you know something good happens to them he's thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's good for him and if something harmful happens or you know something and he has to be patient with it then that's also good yes. for the moment so uh, every situation you have to find the goodness within it and this is a good time for self-reflection because our da'wah should not be so externally motivated, right? So uh, oftentimes people get uh, involved or excited when there's a lot of action and excitement going on. And so that's also a, a time to pause and reflect. If I'm getting seriously affected by the fact that I can't do external things that people recognize, then perhaps I should also look at the condition of my heart because we know the signs of sincerity is to call out to Allah SWT in the middle of the night by yourself when no one else is watching or looking. Yeah. Having those secrets act of ibadah, to give with your right hand so secretly that your left hand doesn't know. So I think, as the Sheikh mentioned, in that vein of uh, self-development, reflection, working on yourself, this is a beautiful prime time because we need intelligent, critically thinking sisters, we need talented sisters, we need knowledgeable sisters uh, to challenge, to meet the challenges yes. that we are facing. And you can't do that if you don't focus on yourself. I believe like, um, I, I don't know the exact numbers, uh, Exactly, Sheikh, but uh, someone was talking about how physicists talk about the billions of years it cost the sun to form. Mm -hmm. And what they said was that it cost, it, it basically um, uh, was almost the time it uh, took for the sun to form was three times more than the light that the sun will give off. Right? So it took longer to form than the light it will give off. You know, so uh, I think we will be more effective with your da'wah and what you do in any uh, sphere. And, you know, they say uh, necessity is the mother of all in inventions. Yeah, so the pandemic might open different avenues for different sisters in different ways that you didn't see possible. And Allah SWT will open that door. And especially if your heart yearns for it, Allah SWT will provide you the path for that. And... Um, I'll leave you with uh, a saying, uh, and I shared it with the brothers earlier, where you know you give 
uh, a woodsman, or in this case, a, a woodswoman, you know, four hours to cut a tree, uh, she should spend three hours sharpening the axe. You know what I mean? So you hit something with a dull axe, you haven't really invested in the tools that you're going to be using. But if you use, invest in those tools, then you're going to be far more effective in what you do. I actually, that is excellent advice because definitely now in line with what's happening today and in line with the fact that even if sisters don't have children at this point or the sisters who do, all of us do have to work on developing ourselves first and foremost. If we are to be the leaders of the Ummah tomorrow, which we are because we are the ones who are the backbone of the family, we are the ones who will be teaching and nurturing the children alongside our husbands, of course, but in terms of like the real nurture and the real, you know, commitment towards raising these children as, you know, righteous Muslims and Muslims, inshallah. And I think this is definitely very sound advice because it's true. It's not, it's not, that was not for show. That's not, that's not what it's for. And then another point which you had mentioned is that just the excitement of, it is all exciting, but it's true. What do you do at a time like this now? where this is also from Allah, so what do we do? This is a test from Allah and definitely I feel like you do have um, more time to self-reflect and I just feel like now the goal should be to kind of take our energy and also spend it on ourselves as well like in terms of establishing ourselves, developing ourselves and creating that schedule for ourselves as well. Now um, I was just wondering like say if a sister wanted to start on her path to knowledge for example, like she's just starting out here. So like, what would you recommend would be in terms of t books or topics that she should delve into first? Because of course, we don't want to depend on Sheikh Google for everything. We want to make sure that we are reading sound literature and we are like, the media that we consume is sound because as we all are aware, there is just so many opinions, so many different things out there. It's very easy for you to divert and not understand where you're going. So what would you suggest in terms of any books to start off with or anything that would like really solidify your foundation first before you even move further into your studies? Well, this is uh, uh, quite a long topic or we can discuss, I mean, mention quite a few things in it, but then mm. Just to kind of summarize it with a few points, I mean, if we look at knowledge and ilm that a Muslim should learn, we call it al-ma'loom min al-deen bil-darura. So what every Muslim must know of his or her faith, um, we look at those specific aspects. So it could be in the area of aqidah, your, your, your belief, uh, which definitely is the key. Then afterwards with the five pillars of Islam. Um, so I would say start off in terms of your aqidah with the basics in terms of who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the pillars and articles of faith itself, the six, learning more about them, going into more detail regarding those points, because you'll be shocked, but many, many Muslims, when you ask them about the basics of their faith, they don't know, subhanAllah. And um, they'll simply respond to you with such you know, superficial answers. Who is your God? Allah. Who is Allah? He's my God. But beyond that, they can't go. They don't know nothing else, subhanAllah. So we have you know, the basics in, the, in, in relation to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the form of the Surah Al-Ikhlas where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of himself Jalla wa'ana. So if you have you know, more of a, that kind of an approach where you're looking at the individual aspects of your faith and then looking at more detail in, in, to, in regards to each. So in terms of books, I can't really recommend a book off the top of my head. Um, but what I would recommend, because everyone is different, because uh, 
you'll have some who are more of the reading type that would like to go and read a lot. They don't mind reading, you know, dry details. So for them, you can get a number of books from Dar Salaam, for example. I'm sure Dr. Saidi could recommend yeah. a few books as well. There's some good books on Ummahat al-Mu'mineen. Dar Salaam has that. Okay. Uh, That's probably a good way. Uh, Ideal Muslimah, I believe, yes. is a really good, beautiful book. Mm-hmm. Uh, in general, I think that's very important to connect with the seerah. Because that's essentially your, your yes. history yes. of your deen and uh, mm-hmm. of the of how that deen was implemented by that best generation as uh, you know, our Rasul Sallallahu uh, was training the different Sahabiyat. So I think uh, it's, I, I think one thing though, Sheikh, and uh, maybe you have a different perspective on this, but I truly believe and I feel that reading full books is better than articles. I, I agree with you on that 100%. I definitely agree with you on that. Reading you articles. can get like deep, you know you get more deeper thinking like you get more development of ideas and you know that internal voice that you have can process things better oh, in yeah. an article form rather than just being like inundated with opinions you don't get oh, yeah. like I think the I, the time to get that depthness of knowledge or to mm-hmm. you know ponder or kind of really immerse yourself in oh, yeah. a, a topic or uh, a portion of like say the sira or something like that you know I would say go for books. Articles are just, you know, that's what they are, articles. Yeah. And they're made to kind of give you that instant gratification. Or social media posts probably aren't Same the thing. best way to go, no, right? No, I would not agree with that either. Yeah. Because more often than not, I found with the, when, you know, reviewing some of these posts that are online, they're very inaccurate because oh, okay. most likely they were taken from someone else. Yes. So I got it from so-and-so. And then, subhanAllah, without verifying, well, I think so-and-so is a person of knowledge, so I'll just take from him and that is it. And just to give you... Uh, 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 like an example of what happened. There was a post uh, several several years ago that spoke about one of the imams of the haram. They said, oh, look at this imam. Allah has, you know, blessed him to be an imam in the haram. Years back, he was, you know, tossed out of his father's home. And they made this very interesting story yes. that is completely untrue, by the way. Okay. And then you had, you know, social media, you know, personalities from Saudi, from other places that were actually passing this thing on. Quoting that. In, qu- quoting it, passing it on, and they're liking I it I noticed well. that with fabricated hadith. Oh, yes, definitely. You know, I think we spoke about earlier about the hadith of um, uh, Abu Dhar and Bilal. You know, that portion oh, yes. of that hadith where, you know, Abu Dhar said an insult to Bilal, like a racial insult. Yes. That's a fabricated part of it. Like, that yeah. doesn't exist. There's no proof to kind of affirm that, that jump. Yes. So there's, you know, when there, part of the story is accurate. Yeah. But then who did that? Who, who, who did Abu Dhar speak to and put him? We don't know. So an assumption is simply made. So that you cannot take an assumption and pass it on. What happens then in the age of, you know, the BLM right now? Yeah. Is that people Everyone think, takes it, right? Yeah, they say, look at this Sahabi, how bad he was. He was horrible. You know, he was, yeah. they would ridicule him based on yeah. that, subhanAllah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one example. There are other examples far worse than this where people are spreading absolute falsehood, lies, that they're saying Rasulullah said this, and what was then mentioned is a complete, you know, uh, fabrication. Uh, the other one, uh, just to mention, because it is, I think maybe take the time to do this, is the... Um, incident that's often widely quoted of Umar bin al-Khattab burying yes. his daughter. That's that's uh, uh, yes. that, that's uh, completely not from false. any of uh, authentic sources. No, completely, completely false. false, fabricated to mar his image. Yes. And I'm guilty of that. Like you know, when you start start getting off in the dawah, you talk about wow, look at the toba, the yeah. turnaround that Umar bin al-Khattab. But that story is it's, false. it's completely false. It's baloney. Yes. You heard it here first. Life Hak podcast. 
Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, he is far above that and they tried to uh, associate this slander with him that like in his jahiliya time, they didn't never say this about him when he was Muslim, but in his jahiliya time, he buried his infant daughter. So that's a false uh, narration. So back to your uh, question, sister. Yeah, I think reading books, so Sira books is very, I think, really good. Um, the Sheikh mentioned like uh, Darul Salama as a publication. They produce a lot of good quality books. Uh, they have, I've seen uh, Umahat al-Mu'mineen. There's also Ideal Muslima. I really love the series, the three volume series by uh, Dr. Muhammad Ali Salabi of uh, the Noble Prophet because the way he structures it, I think really appeals to the Western mind because he gives the incident from the Sirah. He also sifts through weak hadith. So he tries to go and, and, and he only puts the authenticated hadith in there. And then he'll mention, oh, this, by the way, in this incident, there is these weak hadith that are oftentimes quoted. And then at the end, what I really like is after every incident, he goes and reviews that incident with different like lessons, uh, you know, from ayat of Quran and hadith, other hadith and, and, and things like that. So I think that's a really good uh, way to start off. Uh, there's also probably basic books of fiqh. Yes. Uh, and some really good ones Dara Salam also has. Uh, I believe Islamic Publishing House also has some pretty they, good they, ones. They do. Yeah, they have yeah. quite a few of them. I mean, both of them have pretty good books. The main thing is that you buy a book or you get a book that is readable. Yes. Because sometimes it looks beautiful, but you, I, I'm, I've purchased books and I've seen the book. Yeah. It looks very good. You open the book up, it makes no sense. So it sits on the shelf as a, a beautification of your shelf. That's yes. it. So I'd say you know get books that you that are easily readable. And I think Dar Salaam has a good selection of books that you can easily read. I mean, yeah. the English language is pretty good. Yeah. And uh, I've seen a few of them, so I would recommend that, inshallah. Yes. No, I, I agree with that too. Uh, we'll do one. Uh, more uh, arrow here, so. <coughs> Hold on. Life Huck Podcast targeting knowledge. Oh. I'm actually getting better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one more. Let's do one more. Zakalakhair, once again, uh, Sheikh and Dr. Sayed. Uh, definitely, I think you've spun a very positive light in a situation that many people are taking very, very negatively. Um, <coughs> even even the fact that many women have to now spend lots of time with their kids. A lot of people are quite stressed out. So I think uh, hopefully, inshallah, people will take this adventure essentially into a more positive light and actually gain benefit for themselves, for them, for their families, for their loved ones. So I really appreciate your advice, and inshallah, I hope that um, all the sisters listening, um, inshallah, more power to you, especially the ones with kids. The brothers who will be teaching their kids as well, more power to them, inshallah. May Allah make this task easy for you and place barakah in it. And you never know, maybe you'll be somebody like me who started out homeschooling and has continued because I see the benefit that um, outweighs everything else, inshallah. So one thing that I wanted to mention was that I really want to encourage um, all my dear sisters out there to um, get involved and like and subscribe to Lifehug podcast. Uh, definitely a much needed podcast in our time today. And inshallah, it's something that we can listen to with our families. You can listen to on your own while you're driving, you know, while you're doing your tasks, you're doing your daily routine. So it's something that I highly encourage the sisters to um, listen to, inshallah, and spread the message. Because, inshallah, we started out today with some of these homeschooling topics. 
hopefully in the future we will continue and have some more sisters on that can shed some light on their experience and how to make your experience a better and beneficial one inshallah with obviously the advice of learned shayukh and scholars alongside us inshallah jazakallah khair all right and then uh we have another young sister uh one of the youngest uh attendees at camp sunnah uh she uh, has a question go ahead uh so yeah um uh, my question was, what are some things like that uh, children can do to like learn more about their dean while mm -hmm. stuck in their house, basically, okay. during COVID? Okay. Well, there's a few things that you can do, inshallah. Um, they'll be more along the lines of what we said before. So to kind of, you know, um, take a book that you like. I mean, I'm sure you have certain interests, Sira, uh, the stories of the companions. There must be one that you really like. Learn more about that companion. See what they did, how they lived their life, and you know, read their story. Uh, so you can spend your time doing that, reading more uh, of the stories of the companions and of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And there's pretty, pretty, some pretty decent books out there that you can read and learn from. And uh, I would encourage all the kids to look at those books alhamdulillah so that's one thing and then plus you have you know a pretty good uh, uh, decent online library of uh, videos and uh, shows that highlight the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa um, and also the stories of the companions I found them to be quite interesting I watched a few myself uh, the stories of the Anbiya wa Rasul I think this was the uh, doctor with the um, with Zaki okay. story time with Zaki yeah yeah so there's like you know the uh, uh, story of Prophet Yunus, Prophet Ibrahim. Yes. They're really nice, those yes. ones. So I think that would be something good too. So you can look at that and ask about it further. That would be a, a, a starting place for you, inshallah. And uh, I think what one the book I, might be good for ch kids too, especially you can relate to it, because a lot of the Sahaba were really young. They were actually kids around the Prophet, and they loved the Prophet so much. So there's a beautiful book called Children Around the Prophet. I suggest like learning that, imagining, you know, being a child around the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and just uh, how much they used to love uh, the Prophet. And they used to actually uh, hang out with uh, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu He used to play with them, they used to hang out with them, they used mm -hmm. to talk with him. So, you know, kind of put yourself in that position like he loved kids so much, you know, because, uh, you, you know, he was Rahmatul Alameen for you know, mercy for all uh, of humanity. So. You know, children were part of that. He had a real special love uh, for children. So seeing how the children loved him and how they grew up to be one of the b biggest promoters of the deen. They became like superstars because at a young age, they had that experience and that knowledge and they knew about the life of you know, Prophet Muhammad So yes. I think that's a good... Mm -hmm. good. I do have a comment on the previous uh, question. Sure. So when we're speaking about, um, you know, studying homeschooling at home yes. and pitching in at home, I just want to make a point so sisters don't perceive this to be only sisters, a sister's job. Yes. It's very difficult, I know. Yes. So both. A Usually brother, brothers take most of the work, I would say, at home. 
hopefully. I know sometimes they, they, <laughs> they would they take a more lax approach. But overall, if in the case that, you know, uh, the, the brother is at home anyways, yes. to pitch in as well. This is the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's like teamwork, right? Ahli. Yes, definitely. It is. They say teamwork makes the dream work. Yes, perfect. Alhamdulillah. Right. So, uh, <laughs> so, my little sister here, you have some more questions? Uh, yeah, just... Uh, or a comment? Yeah, just maybe like two more. Um, so, I would say, Jazakallah uh, here, first of all, for answering my previous question. I have one more question. Uh, I have like one or two more questions, but um, uh, my first one is for children who are like um, older, like say like um, uh, 10, 11 years old, what like can they do kind of just at home right like uh in terms of like books and maybe even like uh going outside and things like that and ibadah and like things like that okay so like what kind of how can you stay busy at home yeah. and what kind of ibadah should you start doing yeah well that's a good question it is a very good question alhamdulillah it's always good to see the youth getting involved. Alhamdulillah, it's a good sign that our ummah is in good hands. <clears throat> so what I would say is that um, in terms of activities, I mean, we can reiterate some of the points we mentioned before, but overall, I mean, there are activities that the youth can get involved in. I mean, it's, it's a balance between maybe reading, academic stuff, you learn, you read, you can watch a few good things. At the same time, you get the physical part in so that you have the physical activity too. I mean... If the parents can make it easy for the children, they can provide that kind of activity for them so they can get involved. So I think that's important to get both, not just a matter of sitting down reading. the whole, No one can read the whole day. You can't watch TV the whole day either. That's going to make you sick. So it's basically finding a balance or listening to your parents and taking by what they say. So in terms of how much time you can spend on reading and doing some homework and then doing some chores and then going out and doing some physical activity. So that way your whole day would be, you know, pretty much balanced, inshallah. You know, one thing I would say might be good for kids is as well to think about like activities that the family can do. So you put an input. So you say, hey, guy, like you tell your, your, your family, you bring your siblings involved in it. You go to your parents and you, you t tell your parents, you know, uh, can, I have an idea for what we can, something that we can do as a family, right? And then maybe you, you get the uh, feedback from your parents and you discuss it. And then you can come up with like different activities, right? Like there are, for example, I, I think like um, Islamic like board games. So you can maybe say to your parents, hey, can we make Friday night like uh, family uh, board game night? You know, and then you can play this. Like there's, I think, like the Quran board game you can order online. And there's, there's a Sira, there's a Sahaba one too. There's one about the companions. So I think would be really good that kids can, because a lot of time kids wait for parents to come up with stuff for them to do. But then parents actually start respecting kids a lot more when they come up with good stuff, like cool stuff that everyone can get involved in. Yeah. So that might be an idea. Yeah, JazakAllah here. And then uh, my last comment is um for kids at home right now i mean like homeschooling is quite hard i mean if you're not used to it um but uh like you know just making a schedule and kind of 
uh, getting into that schedule, like wake up being, waking up at like your normal uh, time that you wake up in the morning, right? Uh, like the Sheikh said, like you can't be on TV all day, right? You have to like input homework and things like that. And uh, also, uh, the Life Hug podcast, I feel has really helped me as well. And I really like it. So, um, and even some of my friends, they were saying that this is one of the most amazing podcasts they've ever seen. So, uh, maybe like, you know, like something like the whole family can like sit down, right? They have like the podcast on, right? That's something that I think is, uh, something that's nice. And then like, um, you know, kind of for older kids because you know like um as you get older you want to spend more time with your friends i think like talking with your parents about it and talking about with your parents about your problems and like telling them um how you kind of feel during this pandemic and you know uh, coming up with solutions together to help each other out Oh, that's some good advice. It is, mashallah. Yeah, that's some uh, good. I think a lot of kids can benefit from what you have to say. Alhamdulillah. So, is there a book that you've been reading? Is there something cool you've had time to do during the pandemic that normally you might not have time to do? Uh, yeah, actually, I've been spending a lot more time with my siblings and uh, getting closer to them because I feel like uh, I have like. Uh, sometimes I'm busy with my homework and I can't really spend time that much with them. But, you know, just seeing them kind of also going through the pandemic, I'm just kind of trying to keep the positivity around. And, like, I feel that, inshallah, like, w- like we can all, like, grow up together and, you know, like, have that unity amongst each other. Okay, inshallah. Thank you for your contribution. Do you know what the sign-off is for the Lifehug podcast? What we say at the end of every podcast? Uh, yeah. So what do we say at the end of every podcast? Live by the hug, die by the hug, and just when you think the life is stuck, tune in to Lifehug. You got it. <laughs> do I feel that the New York police are providing enough protection, or do I have to have protection of my own? I look for protection from Allah.